0: What it does is it allows us to take sports seriously and have fun with it and center sports in the conversation, but also talk about all the other topics that are important to us, such as, you know, equity in all areas of life and include that in our conversation about sports.
1: Sports is often a mirror on society. As society wrestles with ideas about gender, identity, fairness, and social justice, more and more sports slips into the center of the conversation. I'm Michael O'Connell. This is It's All Journalism. Lindsay Gibbs is a reporter who writes about the intersection of sports, social issues, and politics. She was formerly a reporter at Think Progress, and her work has appeared in Sports on Earth, Bleacher Report, and Vice Sports, among many others. Lindsay also is the co-host of... The Burn It Down podcast and publishes the Power Plays newsletter. Welcome to the podcast, Lindsay.
0: Thanks so much for having me.
1: So, when I get sports journalists on here, I always ask them which came first, sports or journalism?
0: Oh, for me, sports for sure. Yeah. I did not ever grow up thinking that I want to be a journalist, actually, but I've always been a big sports fan. So, that's easy.
1: <laughs> so, what was your game?
0: I'm not much of an athlete. Like, you know, I did some swimming, I did some basketball. But I just always loved watching sports like I got really into, you know, kind of typical. I'd watch a lot with my dad, especially like golf. I got really into tennis on my own, just watching all the majors and then really into NFL football. We started going. I'm from North Carolina. And when the Carolina Panthers started playing in Charlotte in 96, that season, they were really good. And we went to most of the games and that got me hooked on NFL football. And then, of course, you know, I'm from North Carolina. So men's college basketball was always a big part of my, uh, my media and sports diet. So big par heel fan. So yeah, I mean, you know, I've been a sports fan for pretty much as long as I can remember.
1: So when did you make the jump over to the journalism side of it?
0: I kind of accidentally. So I went to film school. So I, you know, I've always been really interested in storytelling and thought I was going to work in film production. But I graduated in 08, which I used to always say was the worst time to graduate, although now 2019 might take, you know, might beat that on the scale. Sorry to those uh, headed out to the workforce right now. You know, a strange time, and I did a lot of odd jobs, and I worked on some film sets and then would, you know, figure out a way to keep the bills paid by doing a lot of stuff and ended up kind of, you know, I followed sports very closely through that time, and ended up starting writing about tennis um, and connecting with a lot of people who were running like online tennis blogs. And that's really how I got my start my start. I was nannying. And then during nap time, I would write tennis blogs. And I started, you know, pitching to places and coming up with ideas and figuring out I could make a little bit of money that way. And that's kind of how I got started way back when. I mean, it was a little bit of just, you know, being in survival mode and trying to figure out how I could make money and what I was good at.
1: That's kind of a an exciting experience. I've I've freelanced in the past, and I've had many sort of different roles in my career. In those times where you're kind of forced to come up with ideas and try to find find outlets that can help pay you to so that you you can survive, that can be uh, exhilarating, but also kind of stressful at times too.
0: Oh yeah, it was awful. But I think you know because I did graduate in such an unpredictable time, and because I didn't ever really have that secure job. I, You know, I think that that kind of stress and that kind of grind is kind of all I've known in my professional life and is exhausting as it was and has been. I think during uncertain times, I'm always grateful that that's kind of, you know, the mode I know best is to just figure out how to make it work.
1: I mean, that's that's certainly useful from a survival standpoint, at least. So what what is it you like about covering sports?
0: I mean, I just love the, you know, the competition. I love the different stories. I mean, how many people from different walks of life and different backgrounds coming together, you know, all the stories about what people overcome on and off the field. I mean, I love that what sports mean to people, you know, I think you can really see, especially right now when, you know, they, they aren't playing, you know, there's something big missing in, you know, our kind of cultural conversation. And I love watching people. These athletes, you know, on the biggest stages, push through and, you know, dig deep and overcome. And I love the silly stuff, too. You know, I love the I love everything about it, really. So to me, sports has always been never really been separate from my life. It's always kind of been, I think, just another way of looking at
1: life. So tell me about Burn It Down, your podcast. What's that about? How'd you get involved in that?
0: Yeah, So Burn It All Down is a Feminist sports podcast that I co-host with four other women, two writers and two sports historians. And it's three years old now. I think we're coming up on our third year anniversary. And essentially, you know, podcasting and particularly sports podcasting and sports radio are so male dominated. And this is a group of women in industry who I had bonded with over the years because we were facing a lot of the same obstacles, dealing with a lot of the same and found the same things missing from the sports conversation. And so we ended up coming together and launching this three years ago. It's been one of the greatest work experiences of my life. Every single week we come together. We talk about, you know, the biggest issues happening in sports. We, We talk about men's sports and women's sports. And we bring on a guest every week. We haven't had any men on the show so far. So, you know, we just every week we kind of see if we can find an interesting woman or non-binary person to talk about sports with us. And we've, we've been three years and counting successful so far. So it's just been great. And I think what it does is it allows us to take sports seriously and have fun with it, center sports in the conversation, but also talk about all the other topics that are important to us, such as, you know, equity in all areas of life. And include that in our conversation.
1: It's interesting that you mentioned that you you haven't had any men on your podcast and that that kind of sort of points to the people who say, Well, we can't find interesting women to come on our podcast, we can't to talk about about sports, but the fact that you're able to find somebody every week, I think it kind of blies out that, <laughs> that lie or exposes yeah. that.
0: And that's why I bring it up, you know, not to be super obnoxious about it or you know, and we've never once said we have a ban on men in the podcast or anything. It's just, we kind of decided we wanted to be purposeful about it. So, you know, when we were looking at topics, whether it's, you know, we want an NFL expert to come in or we want to bring in, you know, this athlete, you know, we look for women who are experts or, you know, female athletes to talk about the the topics with us. And yeah, like I said, we haven't had a problem. And I think it's just sometimes you just have to dig a little bit deeper. And that's one of the things I try and talk about a lot in my newsletter as well. And just in my general writing is just, being a little bit more purposeful about our consumption of of everything. And you'd be kind of amazed how much just a little bit of awareness and a little bit of effort will do to kind of open up your world to a lot of new voices and a lot of new stories.
1: So, you know, when I did read your introduction, which I guess it took from one of your bios on, on your site, talking about how you write at the intersection of sports, social issues, and politics, what is it that, that interests you about that? And what challenges do you have in sort of writing those types of stories.
0: Yeah, so I think that bio is from when I was, for four years I was full-time at Think Progress, which was a progressive news site. So I was their sports reporter, and essentially I was tasked to write, you know, every story through the lens of sports, but on the topics that our readers really cared about, which, you know, was, you know, racism and sexism and homophobia and, you know, equity for everyone. And all these things that kind of come at the intersection of our politics and our social causes. And so that's what I did full time for four years. Through it all, I've been very, I've gotten more and more into covering women's sports as a whole. And now women's sports is really what I focus on full time. You know, for me, I always said like every single story that was on our, that the other reporters in my newsroom were covering, the healthcare reporters, the, um, you know, politics beat reporters, the environmental reporters. There was a sports angle to every single one of those stories because sports doesn't exist as we see very clearly now. You know, sports definitely doesn't exist in its own bubble. It interacts. It intersects with all these other issues every day. So that's just what, what I looked for was just kind of sports angles for all these progressive news stories that were happening. And I loved it because it, you know, for me, it was so freeing because there was no edict. You know, my my goal was to not stick to sport. You know, there was no ever any pretending that sports was separate from anything else. You know, I was in this newsroom surrounded by people working on things in the rest of the world. And so that's what I love so much about it. And I've always been passionate about, you know, um, social justice issues and issues of equality and I've always viewed sports through that lens because it's kind of how I view everything through. So for me, it, they work together very well.
1: Yeah. I've had a few sports reporters on the podcast and they, and they do sort of talk about this, that there are, that there are stories that you can tell through the sports lens that have an impact on, on all different types of uh, aspects of our lives. Um, I'm thinking of the, you know, the, the head injury stories from, from the NFL and, you know, yeah. the kneeling, things like that. Did you ever get, I know that you were writing for a, an outlet that had a particular, particular bent. Did you ever get a, any sort of pushback is why did you just tell me that the score of, you know, or who won? I, I don't really care about all this other stuff. I think that was
0: the nice thing about, you know, where I was writing for was it was right up front. You know, if there are other places that people can go to get that type of, of writing. I mean. I still very much consider myself a sports reporter. A lot of people would scoff at that, but sports is the thing that ties everything I do together. But yeah, I mean, I think because, you know, people weren't coming to think progress and to my work for the, you know, the scores. Now I do, I have done some beat reporting and things like that. I do enjoy beat reporting. You know, I agree that we, that I love reading game stories and I love reading about players and their stats and how they've improved on the court. And, you know, I love watching the sporting events itself, and we certainly need analysts and reporters who can shine more light on those things. But also, I think that just the sports part is a small part of what any sports reporter does.
1: And as you've alluded a couple times already, here we are in the midst of a big health, you know, public health emergency, and there are no sports by and large. What is that like being a reporter in a time like this, a sports reporter in a time like this?
0: It's challenging for sure. I think it's scary for sure. You know, I, so I've been, I think progress closed down last September and a couple months later is when I launched my newsletter, which is now my full-time job for power plays, writing about the intersection of gender and sports. So writing mainly about women's sports. And I had just launched the paid subscription model last month, or actually the very, about two months ago now, the very end of February is when I finally announced it. And I was so relieved that I didn't wait a couple of weeks, you know, because I would have been right in the middle of all of this. So it's not an ideal time for sure to have just launched my own, you know, standalone model and be starting my own business in a world that looks completely different. But like I said, it's, My schedule's been slightly less hectic because there hasn't been travel and there hasn't been the live events happening that I was, you know, expecting to fill my calendar covering right now. But there's not any shortage of stories to tell. In fact, because it's not like sports now just don't matter. They're going to be a huge part of how we move on from this. And so we need people reporting on those stories, staying on top of what these, what the powerful people in the sports world are doing keeping track of how athletes are being supportive, keeping track of how athletes are taking care of themselves and, you know, using this time to kind of shine a light on a lot of the stories going on in the world. So while it has been certainly very different than what my life would have looked like if we had not had the coronavirus. And while a lot of people are thinking, what are you even doing all day? The truth is like, there's just as many stories to tell right now. I'm certainly not, you know, twiddling my thumbs or or bored. And I think for me, that just even amplifies how much sports are a part of our society.
1: Well first of all, let me ask you, what made you decide that this is something you needed to do?
0: You know, I was very scared when Think Progress closed down. You know, I'd been there for four years and I think, like a lot of people, was wondering if journalism was where I was going to continue. And I knew that I knew that I'd built up, you know, I'd worked so hard cultivating this beat for myself and establishing myself in this world to talk about politics and sports and more and particularly women in sports. And I knew I really wanted to continue that because I felt like that's the work that needed to be done and also felt like that's where I kind of set myself apart from a lot of my peers. So I was getting opportunities to apply for jobs, but they were all like, you know, none of them were, had synergy with that. I, it would have been, you know, go be a beat reporter for this college, you know, football team and things like that. So, you know, very limited in the scope. And I got an opportunity through Substack. There's a email newsletter publishing company. And luckily, I had some connections with some other people who do newsletters there. And they offered me the opportunity to start my own newsletter and to give me a little bit of an advance. And, you know, they kind of said, start the, the publication that you would want to start. And I talked through it and I pitched them this idea of doing a newsletter fully focused on sexism and sports and ended up deciding that this was the time to take the risk. You know, they were offering me this advance, which would give me a few months to build it for free, you know, to not charge people and to build this platform up and then to start charging it. And hopefully end up with a model that's independent of the rest of the the media ecosystem that's you know not dependent on advertisers not depending on a ball you know uh, a guy in the top of the food chain deciding whether or not he cares about women's sports on Tuesday as opposed to Wednesday and you know carving out a stable space the type of writing I thought was needed and I've been so lucky the support has been amazing and, you know, I've already reached kind of my first big uh goal of sustainability and can happily say, like, this is this is my full time job now. I can fully support myself with this. And, you know, I'm now really focused on. Well, I was really focused on growing it. though. So right now, I don't feel like anyone's in growth mode. We're all in kind of hang on for dear life mode. But um <laughs> but it's been it's just been wonderful. It's been the best thing I've ever done. And I'm so excited by the community that I've built in such a short time. and. You know, excited for the future.
1: Is writing for a newsletter, is it different than, than writing for a blog or for a publication or is it pretty much the same?
0: You know, I thought it was going to feel basically the same as what I was doing at Think Progress because I had been writing about these issues for so long, but I found it's, it's different. It's a little more informal. It's much more personal. You know, I think especially something like this, like it's, it's for, you know, it's, it's a niche topic and um, you know, it's a smaller audience that I'm reaching out to because these aren't just women's sports fans. These are people who are really interested in engaging and engaging with the big picture issues facing women's sports. So, you know, i just, I found it's very personal. It's very intimate. When I'm writing these newsletters, I write, I really do feel like I'm writing to my friends. And I think that the tone that that opens up and the, the freedom that gives me has just been really, really wonderful. So I think that has been different. And then, you know, just in general, I mean, it's my own, you know, I'm creating my own space. Like this is, you know, calling all the shots, deciding exactly what I want it to be. And I often kind of have to remind myself that, (laughs) you know, there are no limits. I get to make these choices. I think, I think writers and especially, you know, myself, you know, whether you're freelancing or working for a system you're used to kind of conforming to other people's style guides and I don't mean that in a very small sense I mean that in kind of the bigger sense you know and I think the the most freeing and kind of often most scary thing about doing this has been you know you it gets I get to decide where and when to push the buttons and how far to take this and I don't know if that really answered your question I feel like I got really big and philosophical.
1: No, it did.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> you get to decide whether you're gonna use the Oxford comma or not. and yeah. uh, you know it's, and it's all even your decision. that,
0: like who I'm you know like <laughs> the topics I'm gonna to tackle, like where you know like whether or not we have to, you know, you can break into the first person if it's needed at some point in ways that I definitely would not do in, in more formal pieces. And don't think is conducive to you know, I'm not a big fan of everything being in the first person, you know. But I think right. that because it's a newsletter, because it feels like a feels like an ongoing conversation, that's the thing. I'm looking for. It's an ongoing conversation.
1: In that sense, I mean, what the great thing about that is, you know, you're in control. It's your voice. It's this is the platform that you built. You can pivot any particular direction you want to go if something comes up. If suddenly, oh, this is where the conversation is, you know, it's not like you have to hit certain things on your beat or you have to follow particular assignments. I would imagine that that sort of freedom is really kind of fulfilling.
0: It's very fulfilling and sometimes it's very scary, you know, and very like almost paralyzing because there's there is so much like that's one of the things there's so many layers. To this There's so many leagues to cover. You know, there's domestically, there's globally, there's so many issues to tackle and just so many evergreen topics, and evergreen stories that I sometimes wish, you know, I've, I've joked at not joke because like I said I mean I'm the luckiest person in the world right now and especially that you know I'm I launched before you know the coronavirus really you know started changing everything but you know it's there are some days where it's overwhelming and I kind of wish I you know had someone just tell me no just write about this today (laughs) you know you don't have to think about like all this other stuff like because it can be overwhelming and it's something I'm balancing but it's, it's a challenge that I just absolutely love is trying to figure out from all the stories that exist in the universe, which one my audience should care about and why. And that's kind of my goal every single day.
1: So who's your audience and what's, what's the feedback been like? Oh,
0: it's been so wonderful. I mean, my audience is everyone from people who just got into women's sports really recently. You know, maybe they saw, Megan, what Megan Rapino did at the World Cup last year and kind of asked, why don't I watch more women's sports? You know, and just kind of started being a little bit curious about it. I also like have some fans who don't really go out of their way to watch women's sports, but you know, know they should care. So they kind of tag along a little bit. I also, I have, you know, WNBA owners of WNBA teams and like trailblazing. Reporters, you know, the first, some of the first female reporters in locker rooms are the readers. And, you know, people who've been WNBA season ticket holders since day one are sitting there interacting with people in my comment section who just heard about the WNBA when the most recent WNBA draft happened, you know, with, with Sabrina Ionescu getting elected first. So I think what that has been the thing that's been the most inspiring and I think surprising to me is just the, We're not limited to any one level of interest or expertise. You just have to kind of be open minded and, you know, be willing to listen. I try and write every newsletter so that while it is an ongoing conversation, it's also something that's going to make sense if you've just picked up, if you're just tuning in. Judging by my feedback, I don't ask these detailed questions, but judging by the conversations that do happen in the comments threads and the feedback I do get from people who have such a different array of, you know, experience as women's sports fans or as athletes or whatever it may be, I think it's working. And so there's no shame if you haven't followed women's sports before. There's no judging or anything like that. Like, this is just this is important conversation. It's a fun conversation. It's an instant conversation. And we want as many people to be part of it as possible.
1: Now, your your newsletter is about women in sports, but also sexism in sports as well. How well do you think the mainstream media, mainstream sports reporters sort of tackle the issue of sexism in sports?
0: Not great. (laughs) You know, not at all. I think, you know, and a lot of it is because the industry is just so, it's in such bad shape right now that I think people do the thing that they know the best, that they know automatically is going to get the most attention. And they're also overworked. And, you know, that's just kind of the name of the game right now. So when the industry gets decimated the way journalism and sports journalism has been, you know, lately, so many stories go untold because people just tell the one that they know for sure is gonna work. And I think that's how we've missed so many women's sports stories. I mean, I missed women's sports stories growing up. I didn't you know, I would watch Sports Center, but I wasn't—I you know, didn't consider myself a fan of women's sports. You know, I didn't watch women's basketball growing up. It just wasn't—it wasn't a conscious choice not to. It just wasn't in my—you know—diet. Like it wasn't kind of presented to me. And so, you know, I think that so many people just don't engage with the topic. They, and especially mainstream reporters, because it's just how it's always been, and they don't question it. And Luckily, we are starting to see more women engage in it. We're starting to see more people take it seriously. But, I mean, a good example and is Adam Schefter, ESPN's NFL reporter. You know, the casual ways that, you know, sexism is perpetuated is when he tweeted right before the NFL draft last week. He tweeted, finally, for the first time, what feels like forever, a live sporting event. And just six days prior, his own network, ESPN, On its main channel, his colleagues had covered the WNBA draft, you know, and so he got called out on that and gave a really bad apology. But I think that that for me was just an example of ways that, you know, this bias keeps manifesting without people even, I don't think Adam Schefter woke up. And I think if you asked Adam Schefter, do you respect women's sports? He would say yes, (laughs) but it's, you know, his bias in that moment showed and. I think just the more we can challenge people's biases, the better. You know, that's the only way forward. This stuff isn't going to change by act.
1: Yeah. What would you say to? And because we get a lot of people who listen to our podcast who are early on in their career. What would you say to somebody who may be covering sports, who may be covering sports in a very traditional way? What would you say to them? Say how they should open up their minds.
0: Yeah, I'd say first of all, it's important for every young reporter to be out, be able to go out of your comfort zone. You know, I think. You both need to be able to do everything a little bit well (laughs) and know some ways, you know, know some places where you're better than everyone. You know, that's kind of the advice I tell everybody, you know, when I was first starting out and first realizing, you know, getting the connections to where I could get paid for this, you know, I would just take any assignment that came my way. You know, my bleacher report editor would be who I started working with because of tennis, which was a a subject I was, you know, kind of an expert on. I followed very closely. He would be like, we need. A NASCAR column tomorrow night. Can you do that? You know, and I would just say yes, even though I never watched NASCAR before. And then I would, you know, study up really quickly and figure it out. So you, know, you need to do be willing to do a little bit of everything. You want to also tell stories though that nobody else is taking the time to look for or to tell. You know, I realized early on in my career that I didn't know enough about women's sports. And when I was, I realized that a lot of the freelance assignments I were getting were Things that I was pitching that nobody else was pitching, you know, things I was paying attention to that nobody else was. So I set up, I wanted to learn more about women's sports and what was going on with pro women's sports in in the United States. And so I set up a bunch of, you know, Google alerts. So I would get emailed every night about all the topics in this area. I started actively doing research to find out, you know, more information. And this ended up being, you know, what's kind of made my career and helped set me apart because I discovered this Row of stories that people are interested in you just have to find the hook for people to get interested you know and you know I'm so lucky and so I just think it's a lot about you can't be a good reporter if you're not asking questions to yourself as well right you can't be a good journalist unless you're questioning your own foundations and looking to expand that while you're asking questions from others. And so I think that sounds a little pretentious, I know, but I just kind of think it's all about, you know, being willing to open your mind and, you know, research topics that you're not familiar with and follow your passions and, you know, continue to push yourself, like continue to learn new stuff every single day.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great advice. I think it's a great place for us to sort of wrap up here. I've been talking to Lindsay Gibbs, her newsletter, which you should sign up for is Power Plays. What's the email or what's the web address for that?
0: PowerPlays.news. If you just go to PowerPlays.news, all the info will be right there.
1: Okay. And people can sign up for it. People should sign up for it and also should support her as well. So that you can not only to, not only to put food on your table, but also to, uh, allow you to continue writing this really kind of important topic in sports. Thanks for being on the podcast, Lindsay.
0: Thanks. But I just want to say I do appreciate any support, but I want to encourage a lot of stuff. I put a lot of stuff out in the free list and I want people to engage with this stuff. So even if you can't afford to be a paid subscriber right now, just sign up. And it really does help me to grow. It helps me to get bigger numbers to grow my free list. And I guarantee you're going to get a lot of stuff right into your inbox that's going to help kind of expand your mind and entertain you as well. And so, uh, you know, especially if you're young and I know that this is a really tough time financially for everyone. I just I want to reassure people that signing up for my free list does help me as well and that you will get something from it. So that's powerplays plays.
1: OK, <laughs> OK, I, th- I think that's, that's plenty. Lindsay, thanks for coming on. Thank you. You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about the people who make the news. You can find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. While you're visiting our website, why not sign up for the It's All Journalism newsletter? You'll get all the latest info about our podcast, including episode notes and news about live events and upcoming interviews. Go to itsalljournalism.com to subscribe. It takes a lot of people to create an episode of It's All Journalism. Nicole Grisco produced this episode. Amber Healy wrote our web content. Nick Duprey wrote our theme music. Emilia Brust helped with our booking. Nicholas Hunter provided a web assist, and I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. Thanks for listening.